Women on Screen Out Loud is proudly supported by Company 3 Toronto. Company 3 is the leading post-production provider to the world's top content creators. Welcome to Women on Screen Out Loud, giving a platform to women in the film industry who challenge, motivate, and inspire on all sides of the camera. We are your hosts, Lara Jean Korostecki and Jennifer Pogue. While working on film sets can be very exciting, it can also come along with a lot of stress, excruciatingly long hours, a compromise of lifestyle, etc., etc. In order to sustain, one must really love what they do and know their boundaries. In the following essay, Devil Lady, makeup artist Carly Morse delights in the joy her career path has brought her and how she combats burnout, all while tributing the special someone who inspired her to pursue her lifelong passion. My Italian grandmother was a hilarious, spirited individual. One of my last memories with her was the Halloween before she passed away. This was a few years before I would pursue my makeup career, and her nursing home was celebrating Halloween. She had requested that I help her with her costume, specifically her makeup. I packed up some semblance of a makeup kit, some lipsticks, a cheapo grease paint palette that I had had since I was a child, paintbrushes, and a red feathered boa. I was to paint my Nona red into a devil lady, her oddly specific request. At this point, I wasn't much more than a Halloween enthusiast, and I realize now, years later, that this was the first time I did makeup on another person. I didn't know how meaningful this was, nor did I know this would be one of the last one-on-one experiences that I would have with her. But I remember how positively gleeful she was, the devil lady herself. I didn't even realize it until years later that this was a privilege. I was able to provide that joy and excitement to her. There is a connection a collaboration between performer and makeup artist. This is also a privilege that I don't ever, ever take for granted. That is one of my favorite elements of being a makeup artist and designer. I am thrilled when a performer really uses the look I provide to them, when the makeup helps to elevate the character's story or to advance the narrative. That's the greatest compliment to my work that I can imagine. My favorite projects have been the ones where I'm able to collaborate closely with the storytellers, the writers, the directors, and the performers, to offer up ways in which the looks can add to the world. There are moments when I step back and think, usually laughing, all of the choices you've made in your life have led up to this exact experience. It's in bringing the work to set and watching the crew wince and cheer for a successful blood gag. It's when I've set five alarms for a brutal pre-call. 2 a.m., 2.05, It's in the crawling back home, 18 hours later, somehow still exhilarated and buzzing, thinking of how we're going to do it all again and again and again. To reflect on how I started reminds me of why this work is meaningful to me. Specifically looking back at doing the devil lady makeup for my grandma and actually having no formal idea of what I was doing, I didn't even consider makeup artistry as a career for myself. It was only in my lowest point when I finally asked myself, what do you need to feel happy? 
it led me to a postgrad in advanced effects makeup because it seemed to be a career in making stuff. The only thing that resonated with me truly was physically crafting and studio work. I applied to this program without even fully understanding what it was, just on a hunch, and I'm thankful that I did. I knew within the first day there that this was it. This was the thing. I loved it immediately. A huge keener, I took to it aggressively. I needed to learn everything. I lived and breathed makeup effects as if I had a lot of catching up to do. Upon leaving school, I shadowed under other artists. I did personal projects whenever I had downtime. I worked on student films, live performances, face painted at festivals. Any opportunity to paint faces, I took it all in excitedly. My soul was set ablaze with this new creative outlet, and now, seven years later, I feel that fiery excitement with each face I paint. And with all of that said, a recent challenge I've been facing is that it's increasingly difficult to create the separation between work and self as a freelancer. Your craft, your art, and as it turns out, your business become strongly connected with who you are. And if ever you falter or fail, it fundamentally takes a stab at your self-worth. Separating myself from my craft to a healthy degree to recognize that, yes, I am an artist and I'm also a technician, is an ongoing challenge, but one that I'm finding necessary for my physical and mental health. I feel such a connection to what I do because I love it so deeply, and it's fun and fulfilling, both artistically and socially. It's easy to lose myself completely in the work, and I'm often reminding myself to step back and take a break so as to avoid burnout. I have my dog to keep me honest here as he's the master of relaxing. There's a staggering amount of stress that comes with this work, and it's easy to feel it when you don't show yourself compassion or if you don't create healthy boundaries between work and self. This is an ongoing challenge for me, but one that I feel is so important, and I try to remind myself and my colleagues of the dangers of burnout. I have found what sets my soul on fire, but the challenge now is to not let it burn me. In ambling my way along my path, and in working so closely with others, I take on not only the role of makeup artist, but also part-time therapist, pharmacist, life coach, consultant, confidant, and hype woman. And in doing so, I myself have learned to be more vulnerable and open. The human connection is the added bonus to this career that I couldn't have ever anticipated when I started this. When there are brief moments of disenchantment, when I'm cursing a creative decision that I don't agree with, when I'm fumbling to keep up with a schedule change, when I'm staying up so late the night before a shoot, running an extra set of prosthetics just in case, I am reminded of the love of what I do when I'm on set, working closely with others. I worked recently on a feature with a young performer who was so darn excited, a face full of prosthetics, hours in the makeup chair every day, and she was the most easygoing, exuberant force of enthusiasm on set. It reminded me, yes, we do indeed have the coolest career, and it's a privilege to be working together. I'm reminded of that every single time someone is excited about the work I complete for them. And then I remember my grandmother, her joyful laugh as she sported my early devil lady work. I'm happy to have painted my first face and to have shared that connection with someone very dear to me. Coming up, Lara Jean and Carly speak to Carly's favorite blood gags to date, what separation of self and work looks like to her, and more about her beloved Nona. 
Amazing. Um, hi, I'm Lara Jean Gorostecki. I'm here with Carly Morse. Carly, thank you so much for joining us. Oh my goodness. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. That was so much fun. For our listeners who don't know, we always record the essay right before we do the interview. Um, and that was really fun. Yeah? Good. <laughs> it was a, just a really fun. fun recording. Yeah. yeah. There was yeah, lots was of fun. laughs laughs listeners mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. and there was a story that I'm not sure in the edit if I'll be able to tack it on but there was a story of the first uh, face that you one of the first faces you painted at one of your first jobs uh -huh. actually just tell it now I could just tell it now yeah right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you uh so I, I was talking about as I mentioned in my essay um I would face paint at festivals like that was one of the first gigs that I had out of school because it was just Literally, like, anything, any excuse to put makeup on people's faces. <laughs> and I was working a festival in Hamilton, and this woman came up with her newborn baby, and she just, like, held it out, like like Simba in The Lion King. Like, she was just like, here, can you paint this? Can you paint? Like, she said, can you paint this? And she's like, just, like, anything on her face. Like, it'll be funny, huh? And, like, she was really into it. And obviously the baby wasn't because the baby had no idea. And I was hesitant. I was like, should I be painting a baby's face? I don't know. And I ended precious up... Precious skin. Yeah, precious skin. This was like a fresh baby. And I just put like little whiskers on her cheeks. I was like, she's a cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Did uh -huh. you paint your face when you were little too? Like were you obsessed uh, with putting on makeup or no? No, I wasn't. Just other people. Just other... Well, no, not even that. Like honestly, the first... Like I had to sit myself down when I wrote the essay. I was like what was the first makeup that you remember doing it? And it was my grandmother's face. Can you and, tell us about Nona? Like, um, what was her name? Who was this woman? And <laughs> who is this woman that wants to be the a devil? devil lady. I know, devil amazing. lady. She never said the devil. She said devil <laughs> lady. Um, she was very Italian. She was from Calabria. Her name was Michalina, but she went by Mickey. Um, Love and she was yeah she was just a really funny lady um, to request something like that uh, it, it wasn't surprising that she did yeah <laughs> and what did you do like the entire face so I did is red no, and then no no <laughs> she wanted she wanted big eyebrows so uh -huh. like she like she had like big angry eyebrows and um, as I mentioned too like I used like really crappy grease paint because that's all I had so I just kind of like as much red as I could on her face like just like red cheeks it wasn't good by any means uh <laughs> she was really pleased with it the red boa brought it all together yeah. um yeah it was very sweet amazing <laughs> I wish I had a photo I would give anything to have a photo of it but it was oh, like man yeah, yeah we'd give anything to have a photo if you find one <laughs> if I somehow find one yeah and August we're recording this late June and this will probably be released in uh -huh. August so if you find one I will definitely you get you send that in photo, the photo of the devil lady for sure <laughs> uh amazing I, I love you wrote about how thrilled you are when a performer really like uses the look that mm -hmm, you provided mm -hmm. for them I would love to know if Nona like walked around using oh definitely devil yeah she was in character yeah it. absolutely because <laughs> makeup really helps as you say to elevate the character's story or mm -hmm. advance the narrative and mm -hmm. so the team wanted to speak to this Jen and Farah and I we were talking about how performers um, we're performers ourselves yes. and we want to applaud your work in this statement because it's real true it's like costuming at least I can speak for myself here and uh -huh. for the two of them too, but makeup really does make a huge difference to our process. For sure. Oh, You talk about how Nona was really bad, but <laughs> when did you realize that you were a master at what you did oh, or I know. that you were more Ooh, than okay. competent? Okay, just I, more than competent. <laughs> more than competent. Uh, oh, man. I, I It was pretty late in the game, maybe. I, I always knew that I was keen on it. As soon as I started, I was like, yes, this is it. This is it. This is it. 
I don't think that there was a moment still even when I'm like, oh, this is, well, rarely, I would say. There's rarely a moment where I step back and I'm like, this is great. I'm always picking things apart, to be honest. The artist's way, isn't it? I the think The process so. is never done. Yeah, it's never, ever done. Like, even even when I have something that I'm truly happy with, when we bring it to set, there's always a time where I'm like, oh, we could have done this differently. Or had we had more time, we could have adjusted this. And that's just how it goes. Well, what about a blood gag or prosthetic that you're very proud of? One, Like a specific example? Yeah. In the essay, what I was thinking of when I wrote that bit, we did a movie a few years back called Becky. And I was very excited to design for that. And there was one particular scene, this is a spoiler, where one of the bad guys gets a ruler through his neck. Oh my god. And then it's it's very it's very gruesome, it's visceral, it's it's the little girl starts stamping the ruler deeper and deeper into his neck. Oh. And so we had created this like false head with a neck with like blood tubing out the top and the back. So as the ruler was going in, there is this macro close-up of the ruler just pounding in. And so we had, it was funny because we were shooting, we were shooting kind of two units that day. So we had one A cam shooting one thing, then B cam was shooting the neck oh, with wow, the ruler. Thunder. Oh, Sorry, is that continue. what that is? Oh, yeah, that was thunder. Ooh, love that. Sorry, A cam <laughs> was shooting one thing, B cam was shooting B cam was shooting another. And then on A cam, we just had that neck with the blood gag going and everyone was like, oh, ah, ah. Like, like each kick, they were feeling it. And I'm just standing by like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> To our listeners, Carly is currently pumping her hands in the air. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So that that was that. That was really exciting. It's always it, nice when someone is grossed out to a point where they can't look at it. Um, that's when I know I've done uh, something right. Yeah. yeah, I remember when I was working on Hannibal, we had um, season one, the very first mm-hmm. episode. I popped in on that. They did these mushroom people. Oh, yes, yes. Mine you remember the those. mushroom people? Yes, yes. The, uh, the artists who did could, it are incredible. I could not be on set with the mushroom people. <laughs> yeah. I looked like to look at them gave me the heebie-jeebies. Yep. It was it was so viscerally problematic mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. me. <laughs> anyway, moving on. You talk a lot about collaboration. Uh-huh. For our listeners who don't know, how closely do you work with the other departments and like what does that collaboration look like? Uh, ooh, that's a good question. Um, it depends on the project, of course. Like some directors like to work really closely where they have something very specific in mind. So they'll send me references, I'll send them references and like sketches and concepts and that sort of thing. Um, So we work closely in that way. I've worked with directors as well who are like, I trust you to just do whatever, which which is nice too. Both have their ups and downs. I tend to work really closely with the wardrobe department Mm-hmm. I'm sorry to the wardrobe department for all the blood that I get. I'm always like, I'm always, I'm so sorry. And like, I realized that I downplay it too. Like recently I was on set and the, the costume designer was like, how much blood are we going to get on this? I'm like, oh, nothing. It's not very, not very much. Like just a little <laughs> bit. And like, it was just like covered. And, and I always, I think I always do that. So we're closely with them. Obviously with the actors, some actors have a lot of input on what they want. And that is really helpful. Yeah. I love how you, as she also listened, she just pointed to me and was like, it's okay. It's, it's okay. okay if no, you I do did. That. that is what I did because it is okay. It is helpful. Like, I would rather, I would rather an actor be honest with me and say, hey, this doesn't work or this does work, right? So we can adjust it rather than leave and put on red lipstick or something, you know? Yeah. Like, I've, I've, yeah, that's. <laughs> well, at a certain point, too, we have to trust you. Yeah. Like, I've, I've had a cut, you know, days over the, 13 years I've been doing film and TV where I'll come in and be like, I'm just so tired today. Can you uh-huh. just please put on more blush? And then eventually <laughs> the makeup artist goes, no. No. <laughs> I go, all right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. I trust you. <laughs> right. 
Like I haven't been doing this all right. my life. Uh, you even you wrote about how you didn't consider makeup artistry as a career for mm-hmm. myself, but then in your lowest point, you asked yourself, "What do you need to feel happy?" Mm-hmm. How has that desire to feel happy in what you do inspired the choices that you make? It's such a wonderful guiding statement. It is, and it's it's I I ask myself that almost like consistently with any job that comes up at this point. I think when I started, I was just like, ooh, job, 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 job. Like anything that would come up, I was like, let's just do it. But I think at this point in my career, because as I mentioned, there's there's burnout as well. Like that's an <laughs> overhanging thing. If something comes up, I have to ask myself, will I be happy doing this? Like mm-hmm. what am I getting from this? Like emotionally, really. Like if I know that it's going to be a job that I'm at 16 hours a day, like on set mm-hmm. for the next three months. Like, is that worth it? Like, is that something that I'll be happy doing, right? So, um, Yeah, it's so important that we learn to value ourselves. And, mm-hmm. and that leads right into this next quote, which you say, your craft, your art, and it turns out your business becomes strongly connected with who you are. Mm-hmm. And if you ever falter or fail, it fundamentally takes a stab at your self-worth. I'm going to start by saying uh, amen to that. Yeah. <laughs> This is the artist's way and our struggle. Uh-huh. So what are ways in which you've learned to set boundaries? How have you created that healthy separation of self and work? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think one of the things I do is I don't answer my phone after eight. I don't mm-hmm. I do not do any work stuff after eight. Well, I try not to. As I say this, I'm going like, to go what home. A, what about, what about 16 about, hours? Yeah, but what about a 16? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I try if I'm doing like design work or something like that, mm-hmm. like I try not to look at my phone after eight. As I say that, I'm about to go home and work on something. Like I have another proposal that I'm working on but usually I try not to work at night (laughs) as I said like I ask myself is this project something that will make me happy I think that's a good way of kind of navigating that for sure have you seen the movie soul I have seen the movie soul it's really nice it's beautiful it makes me think of the movie soul Mm -hmm. when Sometimes when we achieve our greatest career goals, Mm -hmm. we realize that those won't actually solve our lives and bring eternal happiness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So going back to the happiness of your life journey and projects that align with who you are. Totally. I think is is so important. And it certainly that statement that you made made me think of that. And important things in our lives like your dog. My dog, yeah. What is your dog's name? <laughs> My dog's name is Pilot. And um, what is Pilot probably doing right now? He's probably sleeping. Amazing. Uh, and just chilling and having a great time, uh, as he does every day. So I, I think it's it's funny, too. A lot of jobs, like, I will take them on if they allow me to bring Pilot. Mm, like, he's yeah. great in the trailer. He's great in the shop. Like, he just chills. And so it, it, that's kind of a deciding factor. What kind <laughs> of doggo too. is he? Uh, he's like a nondescript terrier kind of thing. Like, a little Amazing. little shaggy man. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> uh, you have many jobs, uh-huh. as you talked about. Yes. You're not just a makeup not artist. Not just a makeup artist. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read out your okay. other jobs. Okay. You are a part-time therapist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You are a pharmacist. Yes. You are a life coach. Uh-huh. A consultant. Yes. A confidant uh-huh. and a hype woman. Hype woman, yeah. <laughs> and for our listeners who are not performers, I am just going to confirm, and Farah and Jen can also confirm this, this is true. <laughs> so the hair and makeup trailer, it's our home. Mm-hmm. They're sacred spaces. Sp- they're sacred sp- I can't say the sentence. 
They are sacred. They're sacred spaces on set. Ooh, good SSS. That can make or break an experience. And thankfully, they usually elevate the workday. They're safe spaces. They're where most of the time, thankfully, we feel heard and respected. So Farah and Jen and I wanted to speak on behalf of all the actors out there and say thank you. Oh, wow. And then we want to ask, what is it like for you on the other side? Do you ever want us to (laughs) shut up? Also, what a skill set to, like, read the needs of each performer because some don't want to talk. No. So did they give you training for that? How did you learn how to do all those other jobs? No, it's kind of um – it's it's tricky. I think I think it's funny because like the makeup trailer, that's the first place you go in the morning and it's the last place at the end of the day, especially in prosthetics when you have these like crazy pre-calls. Yeah. I don't it's funny too when I started and again going back to how I said like I didn't foresee this as a career for myself. I don't think I was a people person before starting this career. I think that awakened something in me. And that's why I say, like, going into this, it made me more vulnerable and open and that kind of thing. So on a personal level, like, like I, I've opened up so much in, in taking on this role. And that's why I love it. Uh, one of many reasons I love it. When I was writing this essay, I will note as well, I was just like, this just sounds like why I love my job. Like, that's all it is. It's like, <laughs> oh, I, why I love my job 101. Like, <laughs> this is a cover letter kind of thing. <laughs> That wasn't my intention when I started it, but I was just like, oh, and I was all excited. Sorry, what was, what was the question? I've, I've <laughs> <laughs> I think you answered it. It's, it's that, that what's oh, it like on the other side? You said, side? what's it like on the other side? And and do you need Listening training? to all of our lives. Yeah, and like, <laughs> do, do you need formal training for this? Like, like I think some people have it. Like, some people just like, they, they are good active listeners. I, I consider myself a good listener. And I'm also chatty. So it's the combination of the two. And so I, I all of the makeup artists that I love to work with, um, they're similar and they're, they have got warm personalities. Mm. And I think that's what makes for a, a good experience in the trailer. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to shout out to most of the makeup artists in Toronto. Yes. Uh, as I filmed a ton here. Mm-hmm. I don't, I can't off the top of my head think of anyone that's not nope. warm. Nope. They all I, are. I yeah. can't. It's, it's yeah. such a really... It really is a sacred space. Mm-hmm. It's really an important space for us. Mm-hmm. To talk about awesome people too, you talked about this young performer who was this exuberant force of enthusiasm. Yes. And it's so fun that you started this essay by referencing your Nona, who's yeah. in her later years of life. And mm-hmm. then you share the story of this young girl. Did you find parallels in their excitement? Oh, yeah. Like now that you mentioned that, totally, totally. It's it's the idea that they were just so beyond stoked to have transformed into a different character and and to have done that for them is is just beyond exciting for me. So you facilitate yeah. imagination, yeah. play, yeah. make believe. <laughs> if you okay, so to end, if you had created mm-hmm. or been a part of mm-hmm. any look in film history, oh my God. what's the one thing you wish you had been a part of? In other words, I've whose work it. is I've your greatest it. inspiration? Uh, She's well, fist pumping, well, I everyone. I am fist pumping. Um, 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 Beetlejuice. I would have loved to have worked uh, on Beetlejuice. Yeah. Yeah. I think about that every time I watch it. I'm like, oh, oh, it's so good. And that's V. Neal who did that stuff. And it's, yeah, it's unbelievable. Amazing. <sighs> yeah. Well, we look forward to seeing your version of Beetlejuice someday. <laughs> Thank you so much for Thank coming in so today. Thank you so much. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Thank you. You are exuberant and it's <laughs> lovely to talk to you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's been so fun. 
Carly Morse is an Emmy Award-winning makeup artist specializing in prosthetic design and application. Her body of work pushes the limits of practical makeup effects to achieve fantastic but feasible looks. Her makeup design and fabrication has been featured in television, film, commercials, music videos, and live theater. A graduate of both Brock University and Sheridan College with a background in conceptual art and painting, she's also an award-winning body painter. She currently lives and works in Toronto, Canada. Thank you, Carly, for joining us at Company 3 today. Be sure to check out future episodes of Women on Screen Out Loud wherever you get your podcasts. And check out upcoming events and initiatives from Women on Screen at womenonscreen.ca. Until next time, I'm Lara Jean Korostecki. And I'm Jennifer Pogue. And we are Women Women on Screen. Thank you to Company 3 Toronto for hosting us and for continuing to support Women on Screen. This podcast was created and produced by Lara Jean Korostecki and Jennifer Pogue. Executive produced by Farmerani, Lauren McKinley, and Kira Murphy. With original music by Erica Percunier. Sound captured by Devin Doucette. And sound mixed by Arturo Fuenmayor at Company 3 in Toronto.